Welcome to Tell Your Story Alaska, real Alaskans, real stories. I'm your host, Billy Turnland, and here is your story. Welcome to our very first episode of Tell Your Story Alaska, a podcast about real Alaskan stories from the perspective of a missionary bush pilot. My name is Billy, I'm a pilot, I'm a mechanic, I'm a missionary, and I've been living in Alaska for about four years. Now I have a mall, it's an M5 235, it's on wheels, I can put floats on it and I can put skis on it for winter flying, but I also fly a Piper Cherokee 6. And I'm sure we will talk about that a lot in this podcast. But mainly what I want to do in this podcast is to tell real Alaskan stories about real Alaskans. Many of you have probably seen the TV shows, and those do reflect Alaska life to some extent. But what I'd like to do is tell some of the very specific and personal stories of some of the most amazing people that we've met here in Alaska. I'm married. I have a wife of 13 years, and I have two young children. And since we've moved to Alaska, we have gotten to know some really amazing people with some really amazing stories. And I want to tell those stories, specifically stories that have to do with the gospel, the message of Jesus and how it impacted their life. But I also want to talk aviation and maintenance because that's what I do a lot. But I'm also a bit of a history nerd. I love to learn new things pretty much constantly. But I want to focus on telling uh, the stories of Alaskans. But I also want to dive into the story of Alaska itself. Like, what is the history of Alaska? Uh, who are the native Alaskans? When did they arrive here? Or how long have they been here? You know, when, where did they come from? Like, who were they before they, you know, came across the Bering Strait? What were they like in the past? What was their culture life? What was their religion? Um, what are they like today? And even what's it like to live in Alaska today? What's it like to live in a village versus one of the big cities? So, I mean, Alaska is one of those sort of enchanting places. It's, it's known as the last frontier because it is largely unexplored even now. Its history is wrapped up in mystery and the people of Alaska are like an American subculture of its own. There's still just this vast, vast wilderness that draws in tens of thousands of adventure seekers and hunters and aviators and people who just want to see the northern lights. People keep coming back for more. You know, it's like when you come, a week here isn't enough because of what it has to offer. So I'm going to be interviewing some of the most interesting people I've met in Alaska, and I'm going to put a very special focus on the message of the gospel of Jesus's message and how that has impacted the lives of the Alaskan people with, of course, some fun with aviation and history and some of the nerdy things that I really enjoy. Um, if you have a story or you have, say, an insight on Alaska's history, on their culture, I'm even interested in diving into some of the politics. Or if you have an exciting flying story, or a wilderness story, something like that, I would like to hear it. You can reach out to me at tysalaska at gmail.com. 
That's tysalaska at gmail.com. But just for today, what I'd like to do to get us kind of launched, to get us started, I've come up with the top 10 coolest facts about Alaska that I'd like to go through with you just to kind of whet your appetite for all things Alaska. So if you live in Alaska or you have visited before or you are dreaming about going to Alaska one day, this would be a good episode for you to start. So we'll dive right in. Okay, top 10. Number 10. Alaska was one of the last areas in the Americas to be explored. What I mean is, you know, when Columbus set foot in America, which was in 1492, as most of you know, it was still another 250 years before the very first explorers set eyes on Alaska. Uh, the first known explorers were Russians who arrived. The earliest known first Russian explorers were in 1741. Now, this is not very long ago. For example, the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. But even at that time, it was still a whole other decade almost when the first Russian settlement came. And that settlement happened because when the Russian explorers came, they saw these seals and they realized these seals had a high quality skin that were good for trade. And so in 1784 on Kodiak Island, a Russian fur trading company made its first settlement there. So while, you know, the Revolutionary War is going on, the first the native Alaskans are just for the first time seeing foreigners showing up at their shores. That in my mind is kind of crazy how recent this history is. So even while President Lincoln in 1865 was signing the 13th Amendment ending slavery, the interior of Alaska was still barely known. Only a few scattered Russian explorers had gone inland. If you can imagine, the inhabitants then had only met a small handful of foreigners. They had no idea what kind of world was on their way to their shores. Alaska was purchased from Russia in 1867. And of course, that was a moment in history. And I will talk about this more in other episodes. But the 1867 purchase... Um, was started a new chapter in Alaska's history. Okay, so that's number 10, one of the uh, last areas in the Americas to be explored. Okay, number nine, Alaska is the largest state in the nation. Most of you know this, but um, you probably don't know that in comparison to the entire area of the United States, Alaska makes up 17.5% of the land area of the United States. I mean, that's almost one-fifth. You know, almost Alaska is almost one-fifth of the land area of the U.S. That's massively huge for one of the 50 states. If you were to combine the next three largest states, which are Texas, California, and Montana, you combine those together in size, and Alaska is still larger. Interestingly, Alaska is the home of the largest city by area in the country, which is Sitka, which is strange because there's less than 10,000 people there, but the city takes up the largest area. for large. It's the largest city in the country in that sense. Um, Alaska is also home to the largest national parks in the country. The largest is Wrangell-St. Elias National Park, which is over 8.3 million acres in size, which is unbelievably huge for a park. Alaska also contains the second, third, fourth, 6th, 7th, and ninth largest national parks 
in the country. It's clear that everything about Alaska is just really big. Okay, number eight. Alaska is home of the largest volcanic eruption in the 20th century. So we've all heard of Mount St. Helens. I love Mount St. Helens. I'm a bit of a geog not geography, geology nerd. And uh, I've really enjoyed reading about Mount St. Helens. But what I didn't know is that Mount Katmai was actually the largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. And I'd never even heard of this, but it's in Alaska. And it turns out it's not even that far from my house. Like I could fly my plane over the crater and I haven't yet, but that's something I'd really like to do. But anyway, this eruption happened on June 6, 1912. The eruption lasted 60 hours, and they believe it only caused about 10 deaths. An estimated 6.7 cubic miles of ash were released, which I suppose in the volcanic world, that's a lot. It must be if it's the biggest volcano. There were eyewitnesses. Um, it would, this is near Kodiak Island, just across the bay there. And a lot of people witnessed to it. There was a huge amount of ash, and the ash itself was like kind of toxic and caused health problems to people. But really interesting that the largest volcanic eruption, largely unknown, Mount Katmai was in Alaska. Okay, that was number eight. Now number seven. This one is really interesting to me. Uh, I had no idea that Alaska is home to the tallest tsunami ever recorded in the world. This happened at Lituya Bay on July 9th, 1958. The tsunami was caused by an earthquake which caused a which caused a landslide and created the you know the landslide hit the water and created this massive wave. The wave reached speeds estimated 120 miles an hour. That's about how fast my airplane flies, so it is kind of an amazing speed for water. The most amazing thing about this wave, obviously tallest in the world, but it was measured at 1,722 feet. I don't know how you measure the height of a wave. My guess is that they can see the damage it did on land and you measure how high that was from the sea level. But 1,722 feet, I mean, for comparison, I'll use the Sears Tower in Chicago because I'm from Chicago. And I've been up the Sears Tower quite a number of times. Um, it's not called the Willis Tower, but, you know, in my heart, <laughs> it's still the Sears Tower. Anyway, the Sears Tower is just over 1,400 feet tall. So if you can imagine a wave 300 feet taller than the Sears Tower, that's, an, that's just an unbelievable height. Okay, number six. Number six. Alaska is home to the most intense earthquake in North America, and it's the second strongest earthquake ever recorded in world history. So number one in North America, number two ever in the world. This is called the Good Friday Earthquake because it happened on Good Friday on March 27th, 1964. It was centered at the Prince William Sound, and it shook the ground for just under five minutes, and it read a 9.2 on the Richter scale. The only earthquake that was more intense than this one in the world was in Chile in uh, 1960, which read a 9.5 on the Richter scale. And the, the Chile earthquake caused a tsunami that reached Hawaii and even the Philippines and killed people in those places. That's amazing. Regardless, the Alaska quake um, caused some geographical, geographical, geological change to the area, some areas raised by 30 feet. I even found some photos in my research 
that uh, of some coral like 30 feet above where the water is now and but there were other areas that sank about eight feet so the geology of the area changed a little bit about 133 people were recorded to be killed by this earthquake and several villages were completely decimated now since i've moved to alaska we feel earthquakes all the time it's kind of like normal everyday life we just kind of sit there and the house shakes a little bit that's like 99 percent of them there's actually more earthquakes in alaska than in california but you hear more about the california ones because it's so populated there but in alaska earthquakes are you know i i we probably feel them once every couple of weeks or so, but most of them you don't even feel because only like 1.1 1. 1 on the Richter scale. You know, it's not until maybe it's like a four that you actually notice it. But there was a prominent earthquake on November 30th, 2018. This was a magnitude of 7.1. Now, I wasn't there for this, but our friends tell us about it. They said that they thought their kids were like running and bouncing off the walls in the other room or something, and they were going to yell at their kids. But then they realized it was an earthquake when like their dishes came flying out of the cabinets, you know, in their kitchen, and they lost like all their plates and stuff. But at least that earthquake, it did cause some damage. You know, there's some photos online you can see of like roads kind of big cracks, you know, with the road broken. But at the end of the day, uh, there were very few serious injuries from the quake there was damage obviously but it wasn't like the earthquake in 64 there's some books about the you know the good friday shake or something like that they call it in 1964 it unbelievable strength being the strongest in america second strongest ever recorded in world history was in alaska okay number five Alaska is home to the tallest mountain in North America, which is Mount Denali, 20,310 feet. And this is really interesting. It's new for me about Denali is that it is the tallest mountain in the world on land from base to peak. So if you were to measure the mountain from the very base of the mountain to the peak, it's the tallest on land. The tallest in the world is Hawaii from base way down in the ocean to the peak. That's the tallest mountain in the world. But, you know, even like Mount Everest, you know, they consider the base of the mountain. I don't know how high they consider the base to be, but it's up at like, you know, 17,000 feet or something is the base of the mountain. But Denali, the base of it, I don't know where they consider it, but it's really low. So base to peak is the tallest mountain in the world. So if you imagine, you know, the climbers who want to summit Mount Denali, they have a much higher vertical distance to go than if you were to climb um, Mount Everest. There's another mountain in the Americas that's taller than Denali. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's Aconcagua. It's in Argentina. It's uh, it's measured at 22,837 feet. So I thought Denali was the largest in the Americas, but it's not. There's one more, which is in Argentina. Okay, the first confirmed summit of Denali was on June 7th, 1913 by Hudson Stuck, Harry Karstens, Walter Harper, and Robert Tatum. There were other claims of summits before them, but these were the first guys that had a confirmed summit of Denali. Um, the, the Denali is still climbed every year now. You know, every year, you, you know, sometimes we hear of deaths, but the, the worst disaster was in 1967 when seven of 12 climbers perished in what is called uh, the worst storm on record. Really terrible disaster. There's some books about it. Okay, 
I really wanted to tell the story of the name Denali because for a while it was named McKinley. Now it's Denali. I think we'll save that for another episode because we're going to, yeah, we're going to go deep. Okay, that was number five. Number four, Alaska is home of the largest glacial system in the nation. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, there are 27,000 glaciers in Alaska. However, this is kind of difficult to define. You know, where does one glacier end? Where does one begin? The glaciers are also constantly shrinking and growing. There's another source I found that said there's 100,000 glaciers. But either way, fewer than one-third of the glaciers are named, and um, glaciers cover about 5% of the land. If you think about how massive Alaska is, 5% of that land is glacier. So there's an unbelievable amount of ice. I mean, that's a lot of ice. Okay, now number three. Number three. The lowest temperature ever recorded in Alaska. And this is not as low as I thought it would be. But the lowest temperature was negative 80 Fahrenheit. And because I'm a nerd, I wanted to know what the lowest temperature ever recorded in the world was. And it's a negative 128. And that was in Antarctica, as you might guess. But um, for Alaska, it's negative 80 degrees. Now, you always think of, uh, we hear about negative 80 wind chill. But negative 80 as the temperature, I mean, it. That's really cold. I and mean, I've been in some cold temperatures in Alaska, but not that cold. But that's the coldest. So uh, that was in uh, January 23rd, uh, 1971. So I had to look up the hottest temperature. The hottest temperature, this is even more amazing. The hottest temperature ever recorded in Alaska was 100 degrees Fahrenheit. But even more amazing, that temperature was recorded in Fort Yukon. Fort Yukon is in northeastern Alaska. You would expect it to be in the south somewhere, but it wasn't. Fort Yukon's way up there, and that's where the hottest temperature was recorded. This was done on June 27th, 1915. So if you were to take the hottest temperature and the lowest temperature, it gives you a range of 180 degrees. Now, I didn't look this up, but I suspect that that is the largest temperature swing in the country, making Alaska truly unique. One other quick bonus Cool fact is that the highest 24-hour snowfall was 78 inches. That was 1963. Now, I'm six foot two, and that's 74 inches. So to have the snow over my head in one day, I mean, you have to have a really good snowplow. I mean, I do a lot of snow blowing in my house, and I don't know if I can handle that. That's a lot of snow. Okay, number two, number two. Alaska is home to an abundant dinosaur bone bed, which is at the Colville River. And this is known as the Liscombe Bone Bed. Liscombe was a guy who was an oil prospector for the Shell Company, I think back in the 60s. And while he was prospecting for oil, he noticed this bend in the river, which is the Colville River, which this is north of the Brooks Range, northern Alaska. He noticed some bones that were coming out of this embankment along the river. And so even today, paleontologists have gone there and they report that they find an abundance of dinosaur bones as this river erodes the embankment. I have a secret desire to go find this place and find my own dinosaur bones because there's supposed to be quite a lot of dinosaur bones there. Other dinosaur bones and footprints um, have been found throughout the state, which of course arises that fascination with 
wow, what was this place like long ago? And what kind of creatures lived here? I love wondering about that. But Alaska is also famous for its well-preserved mammoth remains that have been recovered. Like the, the remains are so well-preserved that the people who found them actually cooked up the meat and ate some of it. It's been that well-reserved. So it's been pretty cool to how much we've been able to learn about the natural history through these uh, findings. All right, that brings us to number one. I have to save, there's so many more things. In fact, I think I'm going to do another episode on really cool facts about Alaska just because I had to leave out so much. It's painful to me. I'm seeing my notes right now, the things that I'm leaving out, but I got to keep it to 10. But so here we go with our number one. Uh, Alaska is home to some a really cool variety of animals. And I want to start by talking about moose. Uh, they're probably, I don't know if most famous for moose, but one of the most. But I say moose because um, the animal is so prominent with like the everyday Alaskan life. It's, it's uh, a, a desirable to hunt this animal, but it's also an animal you just see. Like when you wake up in the morning, you get your coffee going and you look out the window and there's a giant moose like just right there outside your window and these animals are like shockingly big because i'm like i said i'm over six foot tall and i look out and these things are taller than i am unbelievably shockingly big animals so uh yeah moose are a prominent animal there there's bison bison are cool because i actually don't see bison except when I go to the conservatory but we learned at the conservatory that bison were considered extinct in Alaska and this particular species was considered extinct in the world that is until someone spotted a smaller herd of them up in Canada in some super remote place and so they were able to take these bison from that small herd breed them and now they've brought the population back to Alaska so I just thought that was a really cool um bison story um, in Alaska. Uh, there's mountain goats and sheep. These are fun because they are wild and there's even a mountain called Sheep Mountain that I fly over sometimes and when you look down you can just see sheep and mountain goats just grazing down there. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's caribou which are really famous for their migrations. There's muskox which is a really weird looking bison basically. It looks like they have their like hair parted down the middle like an old-fashioned British person. <laughs> but they're kind of um, feisty creatures, is my understanding. In fact, I saw in the news recently that a state trooper was killed by a muskox, like a really tragic story. Uh, anyway, there's uh, wolves, there's wolverines, uh, black bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, polar bears, uh, seals, otters, bald eagles. I mean, I, we see bald eagles all the time. I know they used to be like endangered, but now there's almost like too many of them in Alaska. Probably the most prominent bird I see there are crows and ravens. I mean, these things are everywhere. And crows and ravens are very prominent in native Alaskan folklore, which is interesting. There's also albatross and loons. I particularly love the loon. It's been my favorite bird my whole life. I, I just love the sound that they make, and I can, I've learned to replicate that sound just with like a whistling sound I can do with my hands. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone do that, but I figured out how to do that as a kid, and I can like, 
I don't know, at least in my mind, I can talk to the loons, but it, they probably aren't talking to me. It's just me being a loon, probably. Uh, anyway, there's cranes, there's ptarmigans, and ptarmigans are a kind of a funny looking bird, that, and th- but they are the state bird. Uh, and then there's belugas uh, out in the ocean. There's humpback whales. The humpback whales are cool because they migrate from Alaska down to Hawaii and then back. And I have family in Hawaii. So sometimes we visit Hawaii and, you know, we see the humpback whales there. And then, you know, being in Alaska, you can see the humpback whales there. And I just think that's pretty cool. There's orcas, which, you know, don't mess with the orca. Uh, they're, they are in the Alaskan waters. There's sea turtles. And it's not very common, but there's even narwhals. You know, the the whale with the huge tusk, the one tusk coming off of its nose. I always think of the movie Elf when I think of narwhal, because he has to say goodbye to a narwhal when Elf is leaving. <laughs> Never mind. A real, one of the really cool animals I want to point out, just because it's so cool, is the wood frog. I see wood frogs all the time in the summer, and they are the coolest creatures because they survive the winter by allowing their bodies to be frozen. Now, when you freeze flesh, it destroys your cells. It, like, breaks your cell apart, and you would die. That's why you don't want to get frostbite. But these creatures literally just let themselves freeze every winter. And then in the spring, they just thaw and hop away. It's really amazing. I don't know how they do it. I'd be interested to know, actually. But it's such a cool little frog. As far as fish goes, trout, salmon, walleye, pollock, halibut, whitefish, and lampreys. Alaska's famous for the salmon, obviously. One thing I don't have listed here that I want to mention, too, is the northern pike. I grew up catching northern pike, and they're very, very common in Alaska. They're kind of considered a trash fish. In fact, if you catch a northern pike, it's illegal to keep it. You have to kill it or keep it because they eat everything. They're kind of a monster fish. But I really like catching them because they're tough and fun to catch. But anyway, the salmon are probably most famous. They Every year there's these salmon runs where thousands of salmon uh, swim from the ocean. They go inland, up into the rivers, into the small streams where they lay their eggs, and then they die. Salmon are actually really interesting because from these little stream beds, they're born and they swim out into the ocean it's amazing that they can go from fresh water, you know, to salt water like that. But then they, they're out in the ocean for about five years and then they come back and somehow they remember where they came from and they swim up, back up the streams to lay their eggs and die. And that's kind of their life cycle. In fact, every, I think it's in September, you can just go to like a park that's near a stream. And you'll just see dead salmon laying there in the river because they just, they came up there and laid their eggs and, and they die. Salmon are pretty tasty i really enjoy eating it they from what i'm told they're an excellent source of vitamin d which is i don't know kind of god's way of taking care of alaskans because when you you know in the dead of winter there's not a lot of sunlight so you don't get as much vitamin d but salmon are rich in vitamin d so i just thought that was pretty cool okay that was yes that was number one and i it's it's killing me because i'm missing out so many things we're gonna have to do another episode but those are my top 10 facts coolest facts about Alaska. And um, I hope that kind of just whets your appetite a little bit for all things Alaska, because in this podcast, I want to dive into the story of Alaska. So what is this place? Who are the people? I'm going to be telling stories of real Alaskans because, you know, in a world that's full of ideas and worldviews and what's true and all that, stories play a major role in forming who we are. 
you know, as children, we grew up hearing stories, and behind those stories are worldviews. Uh, worldviews formulate how we think. Um, it, it formulates how we look at the world. Um, our stories describe our wounds. They describe our fears and our victories. They're the closest thing we can get to an unbiased look at the world around us. That's why when I meet new people and I have the time, my favorite question to ask them is, hey, tell me your story. Because when someone tells you their story and you just simply listen, you don't answer the, you know, you don't answer the questions of how to solve their problems or how to heal their wounds or anything. You just just hear their story. Those are the stories I want to tell. You know, stories elicit our compassion. They inflame our sense of injustice. They delight our souls. They grieve our souls. They can instill incredible joy. You know, your personal story has played a massive role in forming who you are, your fears, your wounds, and how you think. You know, the majority of scripture even is made up of stories. I don't know what the percentage is, but a huge amount of scripture is narrative, just telling stories. And even now when I read scripture, these stories challenge the way I think. I don't mind being challenged. I really like this. I had a you know, a three-hour conversation at a coffee shop just a few days ago with a guy just peppering me with these challenging questions about faith and God and the Bible, and I just loved it. And I love it because truth does not mind being challenged, but lies do. So even if I don't know the answer to a question, I want to ask the question. Okay, so stories are a vehicle by which we can learn quite a lot that simple statements cannot do. So that's why in this podcast, we're going to be interviewing Alaskans that I have met since I've lived in Alaska. I want to tell their stories. Specifically, I want to tell stories where the gospel has made a big impact on someone's life. But I also want to talk about aviation. I want to tell flying stories and even maintenance stories. I'm also a mechanic um, I want to talk about, you know, theological questions. I want to talk about missions, like what's the history of missions in Alaska? It's super interesting. I want to talk about other aspects of Alaskan history. And hopefully we're just going to have some lighthearted episodes that are just kind of fun as well. So we're going to do all this from the perspective of a missionary bush pilot living in Alaska. If you have a story that you want told specifically a story about how the gospel or the message of Jesus has impacted your life, or maybe even just an Alaskan story, like a wilderness story, something like that, just please reach out to me at tysalaska at gmail.com. That's tysalaska at gmail.com. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I'm excited to tell the story of Alaska and the story of Alaskans. Welcome. This is Tell Your Story, Alaska. If you have a story that you want told or you just want to reach out to me for any reason, please contact me at tysalaska at gmail.com. tysalaska at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.